chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness to come to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites up out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Now we're going to move ahead to chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord didn't appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It has become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored, like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you, or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe those two signs, or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. 
I'm slow with speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. And we're going to stop there. Welcome, Niels. Yes, good morning, everyone. Now, it's true we're going through Exodus, and even today it's only two chapters. Some of the coming weeks, we're going to do four chapters in a week. So you might want to read along, actually. Why don't you read through Exodus uh, bit by bit so you can follow what we're doing, even if we don't read everything. But, uh, yeah, we have a, a great passage, a famous passage. Exodus is famous. But, uh, yeah, the, because of the AGM... Let's see. Does this work? No? Hmm? Is it not on? That is always a good point. There we go. So because of the age of the, the guidance training that I've been doing, which has been quite interesting, because often we want to know details about the future, don't we? Uh, we want God to tell us uh, what job should I take, where should I live, those kind of things. They seem really important matters, and the problem is God hasn't told us. It's not in the Bible. And he hasn't actually promised to tell us in some other way. We need to leave it to him. We need to trust him. And I don't know about you, but I always find it very hard to believe things, that, to, to, to trust things that I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I just want to know. I want it all mapped out. Huh? Don't know what, uh, what you're like. Christians are sometimes accused of blind faith uh, by atheists that we believe against all the evidence or based on no evidence. And we say, no, no, look, Jesus was here. Uh, we have the Bible. But so many things in our life, what's going to happen, we just don't know. Uh, things can go wrong, things can go right, and we don't know. And maybe things are going wrong in your life right now. And then, yeah, it's hard to just, you know, just keep following Jesus. It's okay. It's very hard to do, isn't it? People say to you, I wish I had your faith, but often you don't have the faith you want. Well, God doesn't want us to live like that. He doesn't want us to be anxious about the future. He doesn't want us to worry. He won't tell us all the details, but he tells us something much more important. And that's why we're going today, why we don't really have blind faith. And I think it's the AGM. And we are looking back, but we're also looking forward. We're thinking about, yeah, uh, the coming year, the years after. Uh, we want God to do certain things, but we don't know what he will do. We don't know what will happen. How can we have confident faith? 
Well, that's why we're in Exodus. Exodus, it's been a, it's a great book to study. And this section, chapters 3 to 6, we're going to spend three weeks on it, but they kind of belong together. They gave us a big key to the whole book. That's really important. Uh, it's been a long reading, and that's with, even with cutting stuff out. There's loads of details here. But I don't want to focus on those details. Because you, you can kind of, as the English say, uh, miss the wood for the trees. You just look at the details and you miss the big picture of what is going on. Especially because there are so many details that we'll see again and again and again. Let's just step back and look at the big picture. I mean, what's happening in this chapter, these chapters? What, how would you summarize it? I mean, God meets with Moses and has a conversation with him. I mean, it's pretty simple, really. It's nothing special. Is it just the creator of the universe talking to a guy? If you think about it, this is pretty extraordinary. God comes down and speaks with someone. Have you ever thought about that? How special this should be? I mean, what would you expect God to do after last week? If you're in Exodus, let's go back to the end of chapter 2 where we finished last week. Uh, two verse, uh, they're in slavery in the land of Egypt, uh, firstborn being killed, uh, misery. 2 verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. How wonderful verses. God saw their misery, remembered his promise. It's time for him to act. Now, what would you expect to happen? Well, as an alternative, there was another time, about 900 years later, that God had also promised to bring his people kind of out of slavery to the promised land. You probably don't know where Ezra is, but let's read Ezra 1, 1 to 4. What did God do back then? Well, what did God do back then? In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. And any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Uh, that's in, uh, in Ezra. And God could have done that in Exodus as well, right? He could have moved Pharaoh's heart, and Pharaoh gives a speech. Okay, guys, thank you for the temples, thank you for the cities, the pyramids, all great. There's too many of you anyway, so why don't you guys go to this uh, other land or something? Eh? Here's a bit of money for on the way. 
Gauss could have done that, didn't he? Would have been a lot shorter. I mean, it's 13 chapters later that they actually get out of Egypt. It's quite a while. What is going on? Well, this is what God is doing. This is why we don't get this. This is why God comes down. God reveals himself. It's a very simple point, but it's amazing. God reveals himself. The God who is up in heaven, the God who is, can seem distant, the God who is hidden, he's no longer hidden. God comes down and reveals himself. And if you think about it, that runs all through this passage. First of all, eh, he came down. Right? God came down to earth. In chapter 2, he's up in heaven. The cry of the people went up to God. And so, 3 verse 8, I have come down to rescue them. Eh, he, didn't have to st- uh, he didn't have to. He could have stayed up there, do everything behind the scenes. But no, he came down and met people. Eh? Big moment. God is here. He meets people. He shows up. And then, yeah, he has a conversation. I don't know what you think of God. Many people around you will say he's a force or something, not a person. Or God is so far above us, we, well, we can't relate to him. Actually, God is a person who speaks and listens and relates, right? That's, that's what we see here. He, he has a conversation with Moses. Now, of course, God is far above us. He is, I mean, he's almighty God. He is so far above us, and yet he is also uh, down here and relates to people. And theologians call it transcendent and imminent, if you've heard those words. And yeah, conversations reveal things, right? If you want to get to know me, you need to talk to me. <laughs> you can't just Google uh, things about me, right? That's why in the membership series we always said, if you want, to, want people to know you, you need to come and you need to talk, <laughs> Right? That's how we get to know people. But that's what God is doing. He comes down and, and talks. He reveals himself. And also, I mean, this, in this dialogue, it's all about him. Uh, Moses, he, yeah, he's so reluctant. He keeps bringing all these objections. Uh, oh, Lord, uh, they won't believe me. I'm not a good speaker. Now, if this was the 21st century, God would say things like, oh, you've got it in you. You know, you're, you're okay. You, you're, you're better than you think. You'll be fine. But no, the answers are all about God, isn't it? Uh, who am I? Well, I'll be with you. Oh, they won't believe me. Yeah, I'm going to give you signs. I will give you duty signs. Uh, but I'm not a good speaker. Well, I'm in charge of who speaks and who not. It's all about God, Right? Moses gets a theology lesson. God reveals himself. Uh, I'm holy, so take off these sandals. Uh, I talk, uh, he talks about his covenant, uh, this promise I made. I'm going to keep it. Uh, his loving concern. Look, I've heard the people's cry, and that's why I've come down to do something. His sovereignty. Uh, I make people eloquent or mute. Don't worry about it. Uh, God reveals himself. And one particularly special revelation, of course, is God's name. That is what uh, the question I skipped out. 3 verse 13. 
Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now, a name is very important. For us, it's just a label. Uh, that's why, uh, I don't know, you, you're, you choose an English name and a Chinese name, and it doesn't really matter. Um, but back then, names mean something. Me- names tell you who a person is. Moses is, isn't asking just what is your name. He's asking, what sort of person are you? What kind of God are you? Yeah, that's what I want to tell to the people. And then God says this, yeah, I am who I am. Or I will be who I will be. It's not clear how to translate it. Uh, I am the Lord. It's good to know it's all basically the same thing. Yeah, the Lord, Yahweh, it's just another form of the verb to be. It's same as I am. What does that mean, God, this name, I am? People say all kinds of things. It's been interpreted variously. You know, God is, exists, right? I am, he exists. That's true. God is unchanging. Not I was, but I am. Those kind of things. But it sounds a bit like God is avoiding the question, isn't it? Who are you? What's your name? Well, I am who I am. It sounds like an avoiding. But no, I think what it means, what, what his name is getting at, is that God defines himself. He reveals himself. He needs to. Because God is, who is God? Well, God is unique. God is who God is. You couldn't just say God's name is, is holy. Yeah, God is holy, absolutely. But he is more holy than we could ever imagine. And he's not just holy, he's much more than that. Holy is just inadequate. Uh, God's name is love. True. But he's more loving than we could ever imagine. Um, He's much more than just loving. (laughs) Right? God is unique, incomparable. And that's why he says, well, I am who I am. God is what he is. And that means he needs to reveal himself. You want to know God... You can't just know a name. God needs to show himself. He needs to show up and do things, and then we see who he is. And which is exactly what he is doing here. Right? You want to, you want to know God, you need to see him. And so when Moses asks, what kind of God are you? God says, well, I am who I will show myself to be. I am, well, just look at me. And I think that's extraordinary, right? God reveals himself. The invisible God who dwells in unapproachable light, all that stuff, he reveals himself. He comes down and shows himself to people. But why? Well, I think it's obvious. So we can know him. Why does God reveal himself? The basic point that we can know him. We can know what God is like. That's the big refrain we're going to hear every week. That you may know that I am the Lord. God wants us to know him. Know what he is like, but more know him. 
know the King of Kings, know the Creator. And of course, he needs to reveal himself. If God is so far above and beyond us, he needs to show who he is. We can't just guess. We can't just work it out with some maths, right, who God is. He needs to show up and reveal himself. Just like if you want to know me, I need to tell you about myself, right? Uh, the wonderful thing is God has done that. We can know what he is like. He has shown up. He's revealed himself. We don't have to imagine things. We don't have to work it out. We can know him. But why, do, why does God want us to know him? I think two big things. One, a relationship. Look at what God promised Abraham. God promised a few things. The land, yeah, we've talked about that. He's promised the land and he, made, he would make them a great nation. But look at this promise in Genesis 17 that God promised to Abraham. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. He doesn't just give the land and then leave them, right? He says, I will be their God. They will be my people. I will be their God. We're going to have a relationship. And for a relationship, well, you need to know the person, right? Can you imagine being married to someone who you'd never met and you never talked to them? <laughs> That's not a marriage. It's not a relationship. If we want to have a relationship with God, we need to know him. And that is what God is doing. He's coming down and revealing himself so they can know him. Right? And you think about that. We can know God. We can have a relationship with God. We, we, we take that... So lightly, we say, yeah, Jesus offers you a relationship with God. If you think about who God is, that is extraordinary, amazing. Such a privilege, such grace from God that he would do this for little creatures like us. More about that next week. But also, this is an important one that we started with, a relationship, trust. Knowing God means they can trust him, follow him. I mean, what is God going to do? He's going to take them out of Egypt, which is going to be quite a big event. He's going to take them through the desert, all the way to the promised land. Lots of unknowns, right? Quite a big ask for people to say, okay, come through the desert with me to the promised land. That requires trust. How are they going to go through the, all those unknowns? Well, they need to know God. A bit like us, we're going to go through this life. So many things we don't know. How can we live this life? Well, we need to know God. And the thing is, if God shows us who he is, shows his character, shows his power, shows who he is, and we know him, then we can trust him. And then, yeah, we can follow him into unknown things, right? Imagine it's late at night, you're walking home, you want to get home quickly, and some car pulls up, some stranger says, hop on in. Would you hop in? My guess is you wouldn't. You wouldn't trust him. Why? You don't know him. 
If your best friend pulls up, you'd get in. Now, you don't know all the details. What is he doing here late at night? But you know him, and so you trust him, and you get in. Right? The same with God. We don't need to have blind faith because we know God. And if we know God, yeah, then we can live the Christian life. We can face all the unknowns because we know God. I mean, think of the alternative. What if God indeed had just moved Pharaoh's heart? And behind the scenes, he did that, and, God, and Pharaoh gave the speech. Okay, guys, you can go. Would they know anything about, did, did God hear their prayer? No idea. Did God care about their suffering? No idea. Did God remember his promise? No idea. I mean, Pharaoh says, okay, go, you guys. I mean, we know Pharaoh. We can't trust him. Would they go to the desert? No way. Right? They need God to show up and tell, and then they can trust him and go with him. And so, sure, we don't know all the details. But if we know God, we can trust him. I mean, if you're here as a visitor, looking into Christianity, I mean, it's a big ask, right? Jesus says, I can forgive all your sin and bring you to heaven. You just have to give up your life and follow me. <laughs> That's a big ask. But Jesus wants, doesn't want you to do that blindly. He wants you to get to know him. And then you can do it. That's why we have, well, we have Christianity explored. We explore who Jesus is. And then you can, yeah, trust him and give your life to him. As I said, uh, yeah, that's what God wants. He wants us to have a confident, strong faith in him because we know him. And then the question is very simple. Huh? Do you? Do we? Because you look at these chapters and it's very clear, well, Moses doesn't. You see him with all his objections, his cowardice. He's not a hero, isn't he? Uh, Lord, they won't believe me. Lord, uh, I can't speak. Lord, please send someone else. Even when he goes, I don't know if you know chapter 4, but he, uh, he's not very honest with his father-in-law. Uh, he hasn't bothered circumcising his son which is the funny incident at the end of chapter 4. The great rescuer isn't that great at all. But we shouldn't be too hard on Moses. God hasn't spoken for 430 years. He's just a vague memory for most people, right? He doesn't know God. It's that simple. The people don't know God. No one knows God. At least not yet. That's going to change. But that is the invitation for us. Will we get to know God? As we study Exodus, will we want to get to know God better? Will we let him reveal who he is? We don't have to be in the dark. We can't. We shouldn't. God has revealed himself, and that is exactly what we need. In our struggles with an unknown future, in our struggles with life, as we think about how can we keep living for Christ all the way until the end and even go through death to him, we just need to know God. Uh, that is what I hope this coming year will happen for each of us. What uh, will happen as we read the Bible, as we encourage each other, as we disciple one another. Ultimately, we need to know God so we can trust him and follow him. And it's an awesome privilege. Why wouldn't you? 
Now, why don't I pray? And then uh, we're going to do some more things that really help us know God. Father, thank you that you are not hidden. Thank you that you came down. Thank you that uh, you reveal yourself. We can know you so we can trust you, so we can give our life to you, so we can follow you. Father, I pray that uh, that would be uh, our experience today uh, and indeed uh, every day of our lives, that we would know you better, uh, we would delight in who you are, that we would know you truly as you are, that we, we would know, yeah, that you are who you are, and indeed it would change our life. In Jesus' name, amen.